Thank you. Well, I appreciate your enthusiasm and your optimism. I hope you'll be that excited when I'm done, you know, but anyway. So it was, yeah, that's right. So it was a, almost a year ago, 11 months that we were together up in Muskegon. And I remember that was a really pretty day too. I mean, it, it just seemed like there, there was really nice weather that day and, you know, not as nice as last week or whatever the couple of days we had there it was like, what is it? this is Michigan, what's going on? But uh, anyway, a lot has happened in the last year. I'm sure if we took uh, time to share in our own hearts what's happened in the last year, we could be here all night as far as testifying what God's done, maybe some of the laments of last year as well, and trusting that God's using those in the uh, process of uh, Philippians 1.6, that he who began this good work in us would be faithful to complete it until the day he comes back. But uh, I was thinking of my last year and some of the things that happened. So I'm not a closet fan. I'm a real fan of the Chicago Cubs. Okay? And so, so this was a, a year of hope uh, fulfilled, you know. Uh, my dad grew up like a mile from the stadium. And... Uh, in 1945, he was a 15-year-old, and he and a buddy took milk pails for, to cover their heads, and they went and slept overnight, like people do for Black Friday outside of Best Buy, but they slept in line to get tickets for the outfield when the Tigers played the Cubs in the World Series in 1945. They had these milk pails over their heads to protect them from the elements, and uh, the Chicago Tribune was out taking pictures and, and wrote an article on these two 15-year-old boys that were in line. I have the article. So uh, the next day, they're going to open the ticket window at 9 o'clock. Well, when 15,000 people just kind of show up and bum-rush a line, they don't care if you were number 50 and 51 in line and if you sat overnight, they just... They just attacked the windows, and these two 15-year-old boys got pushed out. And so they didn't get tickets. Well, the newspaper was still there, and so they wrote a follow-up article of the boys that we featured on the front page. Here's what happened. So my dad's in class, and he gets called to the principal's office, like at 10.30 in the morning. And, two, and a businessman saw the article, and gave his tickets to my dad to go to the World Series. Now his buddy went to the Catholic school around the corner and the principal had already denied three parents uh, the, uh, to, to take their kids out of school to take them to the game. So they didn't allow my dad's buddy to go to the game, but still he got to go to the World Series. And so that's some of my heritage as a cub, you know, uh, as, as a nine-year-old going to my grandma's farm in South Haven, you know, and she had a little black and white television, and uh, I wasn't so much into baling hay and the milk and the cows and the cleaning the stalls. I had to do all those things, 
But she lived right on the lake. WGN signal comes across the lake with the little black and white antennas, and I could watch a ball game. That was pretty special as a nine-year-old. So anyway, the Cubs hope. And if there's anything that unified the city of Chicago, it was the Chicago Cubs. You know, five million people coming to a parade, and I don't think they were worried if they were going to get shot that day. You know, they were going to go celebrate unity. Uh, I took dance lessons this year with my wife. And uh, so, no, not because the Cubs won. Uh, but, but my wife says, hey, I really want to take dance lessons. And okay, you know, uh, I hope you have really strong shoes. Cause, uh, but uh, so, so I, we took dance lessons. And the, the main motivation for that was that we had a wedding in our uh, family. And, uh, and we uh, adopted a new son that was in a Bible study with Anthony. And uh, so, yep, that's Wesley. Yep. And so we so we're kind of family. So uh, picked him up last night at 1130 from the Kalamazoo Airport. They did a... a they got married in late October and just did their honeymoon uh, last week out to San Diego. And so, uh, uh, so I picked up my daughter and my son-in-law last night, and, uh, and they're doing well. But So that was kind of the, the, uh, the, the motivator for the dance lessons was uh, my wife says, hey, you got to do this. So, uh, uh, but the Cubs unified Chicago. Uh, a wedding is a source of celebration and joy that creates unity on lots of different levels for a family. You guys experienced that recently as well, and I'm sure others have as well. And so unity is a pretty powerful force. Nature has signs of unity. You know, you read in the, we used to have little Audubon books right next to the World Book Encyclopedia as I was growing up and, you know, would do our research. We didn't have the Internet, you know. And, but uh, I remember getting in trouble for cutting pictures out of the Audubon books. It was like that was the crime of the century to my parents, you know. But when geese fly in, in formation, I'm sure you've heard this before, but that they fly anywhere from 70 to 75% faster and further when they're in formation than when they fly by themselves. Unity, the honking, the, the forward movement, the lead goose cuts the turbulence for a little bit while and then falls to the back of the pack and somebody else takes the uh, position of leadership in that. It's, it's, it's a marvelous uh, demonstration of God's power in nature and what unity can do. Or uh, when, uh, when we work together, you know, they used, I don't know if they still do the horse pulls at the county fair, you know, and how much the horse can pull. But, um, you know, the story is that uh, one horse, the first place horse, pulled 4,500 uh, pounds and, and the second place horse pulled 4,000, and uh, they thought, well, let's see what happens when they 
put them together and they pulled 12,000 as they were together and instead of 9,500 and just the power of unity in moving forward as far as nature is concerned. And so, so unity is a powerful force. Disunity is a powerful force too. We've experienced some of that, right? Uh, you know, you look at that map and you kind of go, wow, that's a, a, a nation of unity. Not so much, right? Not so much. And it's, uh, uh, you know, we're not, you didn't have to vote a certain way to come into this room, I'm sure, you know, and, and, and we're all, you know, I'm carrying on conversations with my daughter saying, I can't take listening to him anymore. You know, and I said, I know it's hard, and, 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 but we have to pray. You know, I'll confess, I've got a prayer list. Um, uh, it's right here in, in the front of my Bible. Uh, I didn't have President Obama on my prayer list a year ago. I mean, I tried to remember as script, but it was on my list. And, uh, and I've added President Trump and Vice President Pence to my prayer list to you know, I, I'm a guy that needs to keep it in front of me, you know, type of thing. And, and um, uh, so I, I, I confess, I didn't do my job as a believer, as somebody who's supposed to live in under the authority of those that God's placed over us and to pray for them. But uh, disunity is rampant now in our society. We saw that in the last... Uh, 10 days as far as the demonstrations in Washington, um, you know, the march yesterday or, or Wednesday, I can't, yesterday was the march and, and uh, other marches uh, the previous uh, days. And, uh, you know, as one who's led a march, we, we I, part of my story is I used to, uh, for Youth for Christ, uh, put on a, a large conference in uh, Washington, D.C. every three years for um, high school students. And we'd have 20,000 kids in Washington and we would uh, do a prayer walk down Constitution Avenue to the steps of the Capitol. And so I know all the stuff that goes into that, you know, and working with the Park Service and, and everything else. But, but to see the, well, it, it, it's just troubling to see where we're at as a as a, a nation with disunity. Nature and just what's playing out in front of us in God's Word. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell, and it's not male gender specific, when we dwell together in unity. Remember that song? How good and pleasant. Tommy Walker, I think. But... Uh, uh, it's a good Sunday song. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In, in Ephesians. 
First Peter, finally, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Unity is a powerful, powerful tool. In fact, Max Lucado, I'm sure probably heard of him or read one of his books or you know old Punchinello you've read the the children's story at night with the dots and unity matters to God disunity disturbs God wow that's disunity disturbs God the world has not yet seen a unified church. The great sin of our era is not the immorality of society, but the disunity of the church. If unity creates belief, how could it be that unity is the key, or could it be that unity is the key to reaching the world? And John 17, Jesus' prayer for unity uh, in the body. There's just so many uh, examples of what the power of unity could be and that, unfortunately, we haven't done a very good job of putting it on display. And so today, we're going to focus a little bit on unity, who you are, and uh, what role God has given you in the kingdom to put His majesty and glory on display. These notes, then you don't look at them, you know, that's not. Uh, somebody was, or others have said, oh, you're the consultant guy, you know, and it's like, well, I kind of shy away from that. Um, I, I, hopefully I'm a friend. Hopefully I come alongside um, and unlock uh, potential. Uh, I often refer to myself as a creative strategist. You know, you want to look at what the potential is there and in a creative way help craft strategies in order to see it happen. And uh, so with a background in communications and marketing, um, the world the businesses that you work for would call that branding. What's your brand? And uh, over Christmas, I helped my wife and my daughter through an exercise of what their personal brand was. You know, I've got a 20, in that picture, I've got a 25-year-old sixth grade teacher. And uh, what's your brand? What, and so words... Uh, like brand, if you say, so who are you? Uh, if you replace the word brand for your image, your reputation, your story, uh, we've all got a story. We've got a reputation individually or an image individually. If, if you're the baker in town and, and uh, you know, you, the last five cakes you've made for weddings, people got sick. You probably have a reputation, you know. Uh, I, that happened to one of my friends, you know. A really 
premier baker in Kalamazoo, and they got like 50 people got sick at the, after the reception because the custard in the in the frosting or the filling or whatever was bad. And yeah, the even the the honeymooners were in bed like for four days on their honeymoon because of this. So, all right, that that's a that's a reputation you really don't want to have. You know, you want to kind of, can I take an eraser to that part of my story? Now we know the God who redeems every part of our stories for that. And so uh, we're not going to take erasers to the lament and the hard parts of our story, but God uses those um, to draw others to himself. But what's our image? What's our reputation? What's our story? Even uh, maybe some of you um, that, are involved with business or, or, or pursuing a degree. There was a book that's kind of a gold standard called Good to Great, uh, Jim Collins wrote. And uh, he looked at all kinds of different businesses and they were good at this level, but what was it that took them to the great level? And, um, and, and he ended up asking a few really critical questions and one of them, is what are you best in the world at? What are you world-class at? And it wasn't, oh, we've got to have $50 million in order to be world-class. It's not that we have to have a church the size of Joel Osteen's in order to be world-class. What can we be best at that sets us apart from everybody else? And in unity, as we move together as geese and call ourselves to that purpose, what would that look like? When you cut New Day, what does it do? No demonstrations, please. But, uh, when people think of New Day, what do they immediately think of? What's unique about you? The book I'm reading now, they, he calls it, What's Your Intentional Difference? Intentional is my word for the year. I usually pick a word, and, and intentional is my word for this year. I need to intentionally do a better job of loving my wife. I need to intentionally do a better job in entering into the life of my adult daughters. And just, you know, when they were six, it was easy for me to make a, daddy-daughter date a pretty high priority as I took them to school and stopped at McDonald's and you know I could get two pancakes for 99 cents and it was a pretty big deal you know when they're 34 and they got a life it's a lot harder to intentionally enter into their world and it costs a lot more too but uh, uh, but but that intentionality what am I going to do intentionally to feed my soul what am I going to do intentionally to um, start working on, uh, you know, a, a, a renovation of this temple. What am I going to do intentionally in many different ways? What's my intentional difference? What's your personal intentional difference? We look at our spiritual gifts, and that's part of our difference of how God has wired each one of us. And, and uh, there's a number of parts of Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 12, you know, the... I can't say to the 
foot. I don't need you. But God weaves us together in order that his church would be glorified. So, for the next few minutes, we're going to break off into the three groups represented here. I've got three sheets of tag board. I got three markers. And uh, so somebody needs to be the marker person or the note taker. The youngest person in each group will be our reporter back to the whole group for your group. Okay? So whoever's youngest in your group, and if you're fighting over, you know, I don't think we have to draw, you know, draw out driver's licenses or anything like that, but, but the youngest person is going to be our reporter back, okay, for each group. So um, if you want to spread out, if you want a table, you know, we're going to take about 10 minutes, and I want you to think with the Vine group, with the Vandalia group, with the Nichols Road group, words that are unique to who you are, that are part of your image, part of your reputation. So I want you to think just of your site, of your campus, and say, uh, now we're going to bring it back and hopefully put a bow on it, but uh, or at least get started in that direction. I'm not going to promise we're going to get there today. But, um, but I'd like you to take about 10 minutes. At, from the clock on the back of the wall, it looks like it's a little shy of five after. And so um, if we go until about quarter after two, and you as a group come up with words or short phrases that say, this is who we are, whether it's your strengths, whether it's your reputation, you know, what do the neighbors on Locust Street think about Vine uh, and, and just all that kind of thinking that goes into it. Jot them down on the, on the uh, poster board, then we'll come back in here. I got a loud voice, and so no matter where you go, I think I can uh, call you back in, and, uh, and we'll gather together at quarter after and start that process of looking about how God has distinctly gifted you as a group of people. Okay, so Lord, for this time, uh, just asking you to give us clarity. Um, we know the enemy wants to sword, sow discord and have us even be uh, a group that doesn't practice unity in uh, this room. And uh, we come against that in the strong name of Jesus and say... Uh, we desire to lift your name higher than any name and that people would see by the way we love each other and the way that we walk in unity in our homes, in the church, in our community and around the world, that they would see something different and we could point them to you through it. Um, in your name we pray. Amen. Okay? Well, you know, I've kind of get, got more of that in my family now, too. So it was, it's been very interesting to learn some of that. So um, those are all very good observations. Um, 
if, if we had the rest of the afternoon, one of the activities we'd go through is, okay, so now what are the three or four that maybe we could say are representative, doesn't matter if it's Nichols or Vandalia or Fine, that we kind of coalesce. And so when somebody sees this new day sign, they're going by on their way to Niles to the prized pig or wherever they're going to be going, you know, type of thing. And you kind of go, New Day, I know in Kalamazoo, they, they've got that. I, I, I know that place. I, the reputation of that or wherever God plants the next um, family to rise up and uh, impact their community. That we would... It does, but the first part of it is identifying what it is and then kind of embracing that. Um, another activity that you could go through in this leadership trek over the next year is trying to identify, let's just say four. There's nothing magic about four, but some word pictures that the culture and the world would embrace that identify some of these characteristics. So um, I'll use a couple examples. Um, a banquet table might be representative of your joy-filled, your celebrative worship, your um, uh, the way that you express your faith. An oasis might be a place where you come for refreshment, for um, healing, for um, refuge. Um, uh huh. Um, uh, a, you know, you 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 are talking about this being a year of growth. You know, a garden or a greenhouse might be the kind of um, setting where um, you're, you're nurtured in a certain way to be able to uh, grow and then reproduce, multiply, uh, you know, as a, a fruit of a tree. Uh, a trauma room might be uh, a place where those who are hurting or, or uh, have experienced pain come and, and are able to trust those uh, that come around uh, them to uh, minister to them and to, to help in the healing process. Um, there's a number, you know, um, that's just kind of riffing off the top of my head. But um, as you kind of synthesize, um, what do we do really well? And what do people think when they think of us. And it might be a, a, a good idea to figure out a way to ask some people who aren't part of the leadership to say, um, what do you think of when you think of our church? And I think that that would probably give you some new insights um, from a perspective to, you know, uh, one of them, so wish we retained people more. Obviously, they're looking for something that they 
might maybe they didn't find or something it, that's good information to know not that you're going to be all things to all people that you're going to be able to win some as Paul talked about but can we major on the majors and say there's we're always going to wish we had a bigger youth ministry or, or doing more with this or whatever it might be but that that's part of the ministry that we're in but what do we do really well that we can kind of use as the banner in our community and whether it's this community how many churches are in a 10 mile radius a lot double it and it's triple it and it's how many churches are around <laughs> the Nichols property in a in a five mile radius or you know you just I, w I went down Westridge today and what's that is it a Latvian church or Greek church or something like that there was a uh, right on Westridge before you get to um, the Beagle Bagel Beer Beagle Bagery <laughs> that's it um, and uh, you know there was a funeral going on there, and I, so you know, I, yeah, okay, I, I don't think I've ever been inside that church, and I've been inside a lot of churches, and uh, but just the, the how eclectic, um, and as people are seeking answers and this God-shaped hole inside of them, and pursuing, uh, where am I going to find a place to connect and belong, and um, and that it's not a country club or feel like I have to be fit in this way in order to be accepted or whatever. And, and I think that's probably one of your strengths is that you do have a diversity. You do have, ho hopefully it's not a, you know, a closed group mentality and that um, you're loving and welcoming. That's, th that would be part of a, a, a pretty holy pursuit over the next year of, of trying, you know, a year from now, these are our four or five main distinctives, or this is what we lead with. If somebody, uh, you know, if, uh, if, if some of you are at a Jesus Loves Kalamazoo meeting, and yeah, I'm representing New Day, oh yeah, they, they are really good at this and this and this, you know. Oh, no, I'm from the Vine one. But, yep, you're still really good at this and this. And, you know, I mean, you know, it's just it has that kind of brand identity, I guess. Um, and I think that as you grow, part of the growing process for you would be that you work together to try to identify that one reputation no matter where the campuses are. There's a, a, a guy that's big in some Christian circles and business circles, Patrick Lencioni. He's written a lot of, of books. And, and when we did the, the five dysfunctions uh, last year, that was out of one of his books. And uh, he, this quote comes from one of his recent books. He says, the only way for a team to really be a team and to maximize its output is to ensure that everyone is focused on the same priorities. Rowing in the same direction, if you would. Yeah, I was going to see how long it took for somebody to say, roll the boat. But, uh, you know, we experienced the power in Kalamazoo. I don't know how much it trickled down here, you know, as you get closer to the Golden Dome. But, uh, man, row the boat just took over the community. 
And that's how you, you row the boat. You know, and, and it's the stupidest thing. As a graduate of Western Michigan University, it's stupid, okay? As a marketing guy and a branding guy, it's stupid. But what do boats and horses have to, you know, I mean, it just doesn't. But it captured, because it was part of his personal story, and he was able to, it was a rallying cry, and it didn't matter if you were a, music major or a philosophy major or whatever, it's kind of like, row the boat, you know, get in there and get going. And, uh, and it brought a sense of pride in a different way, a good kind of pride for, uh, for, for Western in its community. And uh, I think we will survive the post-row the boat-ish era just fine, but, uh, but it was great. It was great. For a number of years, and uh, and and wouldn't you love to have a fraction of that kind of energy around New Day? That people will go, oh, New Day, that's that place. You know, I don't agree with them, but man, those people are blank, and it's not crazy. It's uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's on fire. It's passionate. It's generous. It's they are a, they they are a family. They 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 love well. They are they are welcoming. They are you know whatever it might be. And 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 you all have to have to you know pray through that and groan through that. And maybe that's part of the leadership trek for this next year. But I believe it would be worthy. Um, I, we're gonna. We're going to close with just a little um, time looking at the power of huddles because that's really what um, this is. This is a leadership huddle. Um, you've taken a day to kind of really recalibrate and think about the year ahead and and what's um, God got for you, and uh, and I I wasn't here this morning. I apologize, but Cam, you talked about getting together a few times over this next year, um, and so why it's important to get together in March and in August. You know, there's a there's a sense of huddle of family of unity of gathering together and um, the power of huddles is um, you know I don't think that the uh, disciples were officially called a huddle uh, in scripture I haven't found that even in the message yet but uh, uh, but uh, Certainly we read that Jesus um, went away with three, a few, and, and, uh, and felt like they needed to come apart and to, to pray. He asked them to tarry with them in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and uh, had to rebuke them. He couldn't even stay up with me for a little while. Uh, feeling that... Uh, the power of huddles and and huddles you could 
probably make a list of eight or ten attributes that that uh, why we huddle together, why we take time like today or um, to gather together in the afternoon in March or to have a combined service in in uh, in August. But uh, five of the characteristics that at least came to my mind in the weeks and weeks of preparation that I did to be able to come and share. <laughs> Affirmation, protection, strategy, celebration, and prayer. Now, I already outed myself that I'm a, you know, a Cubs fan, and, and uh, I'm not a sports junkie, but... Uh, you know, I've, I've refereed college big college basketball games. Uh, I played a little college sports. I went to Portage Northern and, and, and played, you know, for a Class A high school. And so um, I've, I've got a fair amount. I've coached girls basketball and, and men's basketball. It's part of who I am. Um, but affirmation, you know, you, you, you get people together and, and huddle together. And uh, I've been slapped on the butt a few times, and you know, in a, in a good way, you know, encouraging way. Uh, uh, now it's the big chest bumps, you know, and and uh, you know, people are scared to chest bump me, so uh, <laughs> boing, you know, type of thing. But uh, we're on the right track. We get together. We're, we we affirm one another. First Thessalonians five: encourage one another and build one another up. Hebrews 3, 13, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And that affirmation, that, that, that let's get together, let's huddle up and, uh, and affirm one another. Huddles are good for protection. Um, so, you know, I played the glorious offensive line position, you know, in, in, in high school. And that was my job to protect the, you know, the guy, the pretty boys in back of me, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and as a, I, was, I was a long snapper for the punt team and for the, for the kicking team which basically means you got to get the ball to them about perfectly and then you just get crushed, you know, because there's somebody, a defensive lineman, that's just going to bury your face in the mud, you know. And, uh, but my job was to protect. And uh, huddles are a protective thing. The football team comes together and, and there's some strategy involved, but it's a sense of protection or... Um, you know, if there's a fight in baseball, the other, the, you know, the bench clears and the guys get around the pitcher as much as quick as they can because they don't want somebody hurting their pitcher. And, uh, you know, I didn't think he was that much more special than everybody else, but it just seems to happen. There's that protection that comes around side as we huddle together. First Corinthians uh, 10, 12 and 13. So, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, 
and he won't suffer you to be tempted above more than you can handle, but with the temptation also make a way to escape that you can bear up under it. And that was a really pivotal verse in my life as a senior in high school. You know? And uh, the guy was a city bus driver for Kalamazoo, you know, and, and I don't have anything in common with this guy, but he sat with me in a counseling kind of session at a camp in Florida and shared that verse. And it was just like, man, you're right. God, God's not going to suffer me to be tempted more than I'm able, but we're with the temptation. Also make a way to escape that I can bear up under it. Galatians 6.1, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are our spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And so that protection is the family comes around somebody who's had a failure alone. Maybe they come around in a time of physical needs and, and uh, they just got a diagnosis of an ailment that things look bleak and come around and lay hands and pray and uh, there's, a, there's a protectiveness of huddles a huddle can be a sanctuary a place of refuge to heal to go get encouragement um, in this world huddles are affirming they can be protecting and we come together for strategy like a day like today and say okay are we on the same page we don't want to be the herding cats commercial that was out there going in all different directions and the course for the years that we are looking in that we're looking out and we're looking uh, up um, we can look back a little but we're not going to focus on the rear view mirror we're going we're gonna to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher for our faith. He endured the cross that was set before him. And now sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes on our behalf. And we're going to look out as God told us to go and uh, see that the fields are white with harvest. And then we need to look in too. You know, we need to guard our hearts for it's the wellspring of life. And so strategy is part of that. Uh, whether it's a baseball team, um, uh, late in the game, calling in the relief pitcher, and sometimes he's only in for one batter. At Northern, I was a left-handed pitcher, and I didn't get to pitch very often, but it was always when there was a left-hander that was coming up, and he thought, well, he can't hit lefties, and so we'll put him in. Just don't walk him, you know, type of thing. But... Uh, but the strategy involved with that. Basketball, they call a timeout with fractions of a second left, you know, 0.9 on the clock. And now they've got it down to that you can catch a ball and turn and shoot it in 0.3. If you got less than 0.3, you can't catch it, turn and shoot. So you're going to have to tip it, you know. But They've got all that figured out and they map out the strategy because of that in the huddle. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Earlier in Proverbs 27, open rebuke is better than hidden love. 
wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. And uh, Proverbs 17, a friend loves at all times. Strategy is speaking the truth in love. As we've seen it. We, we, we talked about characteristics that we see in our churches, in our sites. But uh, do we have the... Can, can we say, you know, uh, I don't think you're as welcoming as you think you are. You know, or whatever. I mean, that, then, then it gets into, okay, how, how do we, for the glory of God, for the sake of the kingdom, do better with that? Or you know, I've got Coach K and, and his boys for the Dukies, but, you know, they, they huddle together and they, and they make strategy. Celebration. I, not around you a lot, but my guess is you guys know how to party. And uh, you, I love your laughter. I love the infectious joy that seems to emanate from this group. And, uh, and to celebrate the giftedness. You know, uh, one of the highlights last year was just watching Kathy and Cam go around the circle and praying over each one of you last year. You know, and calling out the best that they see in you as far as how God has uniquely wired and gifted you to celebrate who you are and how uh, God has wired you. And uh, hockey, they celebrate a lot after they score a goal. They, you know, and I, my daughter has 12 high school varsity letters. So now it's a really small school, you know, but. She had the opportunity to start for four years in three different sports. And, and then she went on to play down at Winona Lake at Grace. And uh, celebrate, girls can celebrate, you know. And, it, and it's all about the shared experience with them. And I had to kind of recalibrate some of my thinking as a male that way. But celebration is, is great. Or the, even the little kids' soccer you know, when they score a goal, you know, the, the little herd that goes around, uh, you know, when they're six or seven years old and they're playing soccer and learning the game. And I already said I was, a, I was one of the grunts on the offensive line for part of the game. And boy, if an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman gets the, the ball and scores, oh man, that's like, that never happens. And so we got to celebrate and do that together. It's not the wide receiver, look at me, you know. It's the big hogs going, we did it, you know. Bacon, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yes, there's a word from the Lord right there. So, uh, as, uh, as we, you, it's part of who you are. Don't ever lose that. I mean, that joy is attractive to a world that doesn't know how to celebrate well. And, and to, to uh, celebrate in the joy of the Lord being our strength. And finally, we huddle for prayer. And uh, that's not meant to be last on the list or anything like that. It's, I probably should have started with that. Um, but... Uh, um, I like it at the end of a football game. You know, they for a while there they decided not to show that on television anymore. Now they're kind of 
doing it a little bit, you know, before the beer commercial, but, uh, uh, you know, a, a demonstration that, uh, you know, we know whose we are. Doesn't matter if we have a blue jersey on or a white jersey, um, and that uh, we can acknowledge uh, God and thank Him for His protection and safety. Ephesians 5:21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. James 5:16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Um, the power of prayer in huddling together. 6.30 in the morning over a pot of coffee at the local restaurant or whatever. And, and uh, that God does move in us and through us as we pray with one another. Casey Stengel um, was a really old-time coach with the Yankees and Giants. And, and he says, it's easy to get good players, getting them to play together. That's the hard part. And uh, you are good players. You are good players. You are good think about that quote early on that the world hasn't seen the church in unity what could that look like Lord unleash us spirit to be able to do that Benjamin Franklin either even we must all hang together else we shall all hang separately you know the old statesman he was he was signing the declaration of independence uh i'm not particularly gifted with the gift of prophecy but i really believe that it's going to get harder um, in our lifetime in taking a stand for our faith in this country and that we are going to need to be able to huddle more frequently. We don't face the persecution that our brothers and sisters do in other parts of the world with house churches and things like that, but um, it sure seems like it's coming uh, in big ways, and it's already here in little ways. And I don't and I say little, I don't mean to minimize it, but um, we, we, we need to lean on it. Romans 15, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony, I think unity probably works there, with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together, that feels like unity, you may with one voice glorify the Lord and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. The message says it this way. May our dependably steady and warmly personable God develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with all of us. Then we'll be a choir, not only our voices, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master Jesus.
Let's sing. Let's sing, church. Let's sing. Use our voices together, even if you can't physically sing very well other than in the shower. It's going to be beautiful. The world will see that. And, you know, when I was 10 years old around the campfire and we'd sing, they know we are Christians by our love. We will walk with each other. We'll work side by side. We'll guard each man's dignity and save each man's pride. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. Boy, that's the unity that God really wants to unleash in Vandalia, in the ghetto, on the west side, <laughs> wherever God has next, so that uh, the world would see. So it's just after three, and that's what the schedule has for us. And that um, I think you got a little bit of a break planned here. And so if you don't mind, I'd just like to close us in prayer and, and uh, um, and encourage you to think about what really makes you different so that um, that identity, that reputation, that the church would be the church and, and that New Day stands for. Yes. Father, thanks for these people and uh, the joy that's evident in their lives, the life-giving uh, uh nature and spirit of, uh, of each of their churches, the um, warmth and hospitality that, um, is, uh, that radiates, um, whether it's through an art hop and the expression of those gifts or the bags that are going to be distributed um, on the way that they um, mobilize funds to help those uh, to, you know, around the world to plant um, and spread the gospel. Um, thank you. Um, may we spur one another on to love and good deeds, um, keeping our eyes fixed on you. Um, may we huddle together. Um, may we be um, unified in the way that we um, serve and that we reach out um, so that others would see a difference in our lives and they'd ask, man, you guys are different. What's it? And uh, that it, we could point them to you and proclaim the mighty name of Jesus. We love you. And for the rest of this day, as the spiritual growth is focused on and just uh, some of the vision for the church, I just pray that it would be um, this hours that are still invested in this day would be a multiplied blessing in so many ways so that um, others would come to know you.